0: Welcome to the Brilliantly Resilient Podcast. What's your train wreck? Everyone has one. The question is, are you going to live there or are you just visiting? Let's check in with Mary, Fran, and Kristen to learn how to come through not broken, but brilliant. Hey,
1: everyone. Before we dive into this week's episode, we have
2: a resource that we wanted to tell you about transform every week of yours with our Brilliance bit that will deliver right to your email inbox. Sign up for it at brilliantlyresilient.net and keep living brilliantly resilient.
1: Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Brilliantly Resilient Live. We thought we were going to have a duo today, but I don't know, I'm just going to say maybe we got the better half of the duo. (laughs) We'll give him those props because, as Kristen said, the other guy's not here to defend himself. Hey, we're rolling with it. (laughs) There we go. But today we have uh, two guests. Well, we have one guest, Jeremy Grader, His his partner in crime, Zach Tucker, is not here with us today, but... We're so excited to have them. I'm excited because they are fellow podcasters. They have a podcast called The Fit Mess. You got to love the name of that. Uh, For nearly a decade, they pushed themselves to learn more about their own physical, emotional, and mental health, which created a passion for using their acquired knowledge to help others. They've hosted their show since 2017 and have had the opportunity to speak to a wide range of guests, including some of the biggest names in health and wellness. So, Jeremy, thanks for joining us.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity. I'm excited to be here.
1: All right, so I'm just going to jump right in and go with the cliche. you guys. I get the physical part, but <laughs> the emotional and mental health guys don't usually go in that direction. So Which, how did yeah. all that come about?
0: That's exactly why we started doing the show. I, I'd been in podcasting for over a decade prior to doing this show. And that show was when I lived a different life. It was, it was all, you know, beer and jokes and, and self-deprecating mm-hmm. humor and, and just you know pointing out the most ridiculous things that happened in my life and, and making stories out of them. And as my lifestyle changed and I and I found, you know, uh, this path to better wellness, to just trying to be a happier, healthier person, Zach was a part of that journey. And he was a couple of steps ahead of me on it. He'd been he'd been, you know, sort of exploring this stuff, biohacking, you know, for lack of a better word, for a couple of years. And so as we got to know each other better, once we got past the, the thing that guys do where you show up and sort of size each other up and talk about the sports ball event that happened last week, <laughs> we, we started tearing down the wall a little bit and getting a little bit more vulnerable because you know he was losing weight or I was doing things. And we just started having those conversations anyways. And we, especially being new dads, we kept kind of turning to each other and going like, is this hard for you? Are you sleeping? Are you getting through? Like, how are you managing this? And we really found a lot of safety in each other as guys, because we didn't have that in other guys, right? And, and we didn't exactly have an upbringing with men in our lives that kept that door open or taught us how to do that. So we sort of explored that with each other. And as time went on, you know, Zach knew that that my podcast had, was ending or had ended. And we were having these really open, vulnerable conversations. And he, and he said, you know, with your, ba- your background in podcasting and, and us not really having this anywhere else this might benefit other guys to hear us having these conversations they they might also find a happier healthier life through open you know vulnerable conversations what if we did a podcast and i said that is the stupidest idea i've ever heard there's nothing
2: <laughs> i didn't I am, that
0: <laughs> i am no expert i don't have anything on my wall that says hey here's how to live a happier healthier life i'm a guy who does some stuff and it kind of works And he said, yeah, you and you and all the other health and wellness podcasts, like, check them out. Let's let's consider this. And so I did. I went and listened to a bunch and I was like, you know, the the ones where people lack the expertise, they bring in experts. I've been interviewing people forever, so I can do that. And so Mm -hmm. that's what really opened me up to the idea of doing this. And ever since then, that's been our mission is to bring in the experts to fill in the gaps where we don't have the knowledge but really to just try and help other, particularly guys, but we find that it's usually the women who show up and say, oh, I wish my husband would listen to this. I wish my boyfriend would listen to this. But we just want to help whoever's going through that same struggle that we were and still are to this day to feel a little bit less alone on this journey because it, it is a, a long and lonely one uh, as you go deeper down the road. So that's sort of how we got here. And that's sort of the, the gist of a couple of guys sharing about their feelings and openness and, and all that.
2: That's so it is so cool. And I love the name of fit, the fit mess. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this, though, uh, Jeremy, when you initially started this and we're like pitching this out to people, what what was what was the feedback from from guys? Were they like, this is what I've been waiting for? Or were they like, dude, <laughs> dude,
0: <laughs> you know, I, I haven't heard the dude other than perhaps like like <laughs> in like a party situation where, you know, you, you meet strangers and it's awkward and weird anyways. And like, oh, what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm, I'm a podcaster. Oh, what do you talk about? Oh, you know, feelings and stuff. Mm. <laughs> oh, build it higher, faster. <laughs> so I that's where I see that more. But, yeah. but I think most of the feedback that we've gotten has either been, yeah, awesome. Keep going. Or like I said, I wish my husband would listen to this. You know, how can I get him to start listening? He needs to know that it's OK to have feelings. And,
2: and I'm so know, happy to hear that because I got to tell you, you know, we live, you know, being in women's empowerment and all the stuff that we've been through, you know, and I was, you know, single mom and divorced, I'm with a lot of women and listen to a lot of women, but the, the male perspective, the guy's perspective, I think is so important. Now I also, I should qual- quantify this with, I have four brothers. Like I grew up in a house of, it was just guys everywhere, all guys on the street. And I was a sports nut. So I, I think that in my adult, you know, female life, I was missing that perspective because it is such a nice balance from from the women's perspective and i'm 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 certain that's why you're resonating with a lot of women
0: yeah that that would make sense to me too uh, you know i i grew up with brothers so i get that and and there wasn't really a lot of room for this and and it is funny you know i talked about the other show that i did and and i feel like that was where i sort of learned to be open is because and, and it was you know through through the mask of a lot of beer. I'll, I'll be honest, like we would just we would just get hammered and we, it was if you ever watched it's always sunny in Philadelphia, that was sort of the idea it was like, oh, yes. what's the most ridiculous thing that happened in our life and let's laugh at it and share it with people. And so I think that's kind of where I where I learned. I was always kind of an open sensitive kid anyways, but as an adult, there was something about turning it like the the anonymity of being behind a microphone, but like being heard at the same time mm-hmm. made it really sort of safe. For me to shine a light on my insecurities and, and the dumb things that I did. And so it really wasn't too hard of a switch to go from like, oh, I like my brother telling stories about you know getting drunk and falling in a in an open flame, right? Like and just <laughs> laughing, oh, how stupid that must have been, ha ha ha. To you know, man, it's so hard to lose weight. You know, I, I keep grinding in the gym, nothing's happening. I'm not eating the right things. Maybe it's that. Like, so just sort of sharing that, like, this is a struggle, it's a messy, difficult path. It's not as it's not linear. It's not what Instagram shows, you know, just drink more water and go for a run and you'll drop 50 pounds in a week. Like, it's not like that. And so we just wanted to to make it more real. We wanted to make this uh, a more approachable thing for people that are struggling as much as we did and as much as we do every day trying to become better, you know, healthier people.
1: You know, I I really love so much of what you guys are about. Um, And I I wrote down and you'll see me writing here. I'm not looking at my phone, but as we're talking, I am taking copious notes. Um, But there were a couple of things that you said um, that that struck me. One of them was motivation is created that you Mm -hmm. guys talk about and And I think that's maybe the part where people get stuck. You know, we're coming up as we're recording this, we're coming up on the New Year stuff where everybody makes the, you know, millions of resolutions about how they're going to lose weight, they're going to lose weight. And then life comes at you and the, the motivation just disappears. So how do you create that motivation to keep yourself going, particularly when, as you very aptly said, it's easy to do all this stuff. This health stuff—it really takes intention, and it it just doesn't come naturally.
0: Yeah, there there's a couple of things that we that we suggest, and and one is first starting with just curiosity. Like, why do I want to make this change? If it's weight loss or whatever it is, what's the reason? Like, what's your why? If it's because hmm. you've been carrying that weight around for 20 years and this is the year, well, it's not. I, I hate to break it to you, it's <laughs> not. That's not a good enough reason because it hasn't been for 20 years. So you have to get curious about what is the underlying, like, how am I going to feel when I accomplish that? And, and what's the reason that's driving me to do whatever the change is. And then the other thing, and you know, th- this is not groundbreaking news here, folks, but the fact is that you have to take small steps every day. You can't on January 1st say, I'm not drinking anymore. I'm going to go to the gym every day. I'm only eating protein and lettuce and that's it. <laughs> we all take these huge bites off on January 1st and think that this is our year. And it's it's got to start with, okay January 1st, drink one more glass of water, like go for one walk around the block, like whatever, like do one small thing and do that until it becomes the thing that you don't have to think about and you don't have to fight against. I've been Mm -hmm. trying to build a habit of going to the gym every day for a year. I did great for like four months. And then like for whatever reason, I went on vacation or something, got thrown off my routine. And I have been battling ever since then to get back into the gym. So instead, I try and find other things like I I, I live in nature. So like I can go for hikes a bunch. I can find other ways to just move my body. And like as long as I move, then I, I kind of feel OK about it. But you've got to you've got to just take the smallest little incremental steps until they become the thing that you don't have to think about and you don't have to talk yourself into. And then you'll find that the motivation becomes the fact that it's a habit, like it feels weird to not do it.
2: Mm-hmm. But-
0: but you can go into every Facebook group on health and wellness. You can go into like whatever whatever group of people trying to make a change. And they're all saying something like, Oh yeah, January 1st, that's the day, or I'm, I'm gonna start on Monday. i you know, this weekend, I'm gonna go all out, man. And then Monday I'm gonna, I'm gonna get serious <laughs> about it when I just waiting for the motivation to kick in. It ain't coming. Nobody's coming to save you. It's it's not going to happen. You have to parent yourself, you have to make sure that this matters enough to you to make the change and then make it. But then, you know, back to the idea of curiosity, you also have to know what works for you. If if you are not self-motivated, if, if you're not um, accountable to yourself, then you might need a coach. You might need a mentor. You might need a friend that can be the one that you text every day to say, yeah, I went for the walk. Yeah, I ran. Yeah, I went and I walked to the gym. I didn't work out, but I went in. Step one, tomorrow I'll actually go lift something heavy, like whatever. So e- either recognize that you can hold yourself accountable and do that or find someone that can help you and and have them keep you on track. Otherwise it's, you're just going to repeat the same habits.
2: You know, I love, I love a couple of words that you said in there. One is how it makes you feel and what matters to you. Mm-hmm. I did the same thing this past year. I actually did like a, almost like an audit of when I was feeling awful, when I was feeling overwhelmed, you know, all the things. And everybody says, oh, keep a food journal. Yeah, me and a food journal just don't work. How am I gonna do that, right? I text myself all day long, but whatever. So I was like, (laughs) I would sit at night and think about, you know, why am I, I'm feeling so horrible today? What did I eat yesterday? What did I, what I ended up doing was figuring out that um, I was never motivated to go to the gym, right? Mm -hmm. I was there, so I was running, you know, outside, whatever. I realized I was spending entirely too much time alone, here I am on Zoom, working from home, running outside at the park. And I started to really, my brain would start to spiral into all these crazy things. So I did join a gym, mm-hmm. which I didn't necessarily have the funds for. So I made myself accountable to, I was like, they're going to lose money on me. That's what's going <laughs> to happen here. <Right? laughs> but what I did was I ended up going and and looking at when I could go at times where there were um, other people in there that that I could, you know, just even be near to not be by myself. And what ended up happening from that, Jeremy, was I started feeling, I'm a very social person. So I was feeling better that way. Then I started, like I was saying, I was doing that audit. I realized that I was being more productive. I was less scatterbrained. I was very focused because I had always grown up an athlete and I had a very rigid schedule of of workouts and, and practices and all. I actually am at my optimum production, when I have all that movement and everything. So now it's like the, the pain of the regret of not going to the gym is too great for me. Then eh, I don't feel like going, you know, it, I actually yeah. think about how I'm going to feel if I skip it and it's yeah. too great a habit to make me feel better to skip it.
0: There's a couple of things I think that are at play there. And, and I think one is, you know, uh, There's this great analogy about dogs, right? Like if you have a dog that is wildly misbehaved and it can't get itself under control or whatever, if you bring it into a healthy pack, it fixes itself. Like being surrounded by people, being surrounded by dogs that are that are healthy and doing the right things shows them, oh, I just have to do that and and I'll fit in, I'll be part of it, or whatever the whatever the mechanism is to, to make the switch. Same thing with people, right? If we're surrounded by People with bad habits, people that are doing things we don't want to do, but we do them because that's how we interact with them or whatever. We're going to fall into that pack. If we're super isolated, then we just spin out and all this energy just stays in us and we don't know what to do with it. And so like you go for the run, but then your head is still just like just (laughs) frantic and you don't know what to do with it. But when you surround yourself with healthy people that are doing healthy behaviors and open and creating space to share your feelings and to share the things that are going on, then you're going to suddenly start to act more like them because you're surrounding yourself with that same energy, that same behavior. So I think that's part of what's at play for you. But also, I mean, there are dozens and dozens and dozens, and maybe even hundreds of studies that show you that the, that physical movement, like physical exercise is such a massive benefit for mental health.
2: Mm. Like
0: aside from whatever it does to your physical body, like So much of our our emotions and our thoughts and all that. stuff it's just energy that's in our body and we don't put it anywhere. We sit on these cameras looking at zoom all day. And then we feel like crap at the end of the day. Oh, how come I'm so angry and frustrated? We haven't (laughs) done anything to move it. It's just sitting with you. And then you probably Mm -hmm. try and unwind with a glass of wine or something. And then that's just compounding the problem because now you're adding a depressant on top of everything you're dealing with. So there's just all these bad habits that we create and that so many of them can start with that physical movement and building up your physical body because the mental health will then follow, which then starts to open the door to more of like a spiritual awakening. And you start getting more curious about your behaviors and your actions. And you start making the other changes that make you feel more complete and more whole and find a little bit more happiness.
1: Wow. So what I'm hearing is that in terms of your, your previous point about the small steps, Mm -hmm. Um, it it probably is helpful for guys coming into your, your, you know, sphere of influence to recognize that they're not going to just get there tomorrow. You know, like guys want to get like, cause I know like my husband if something goes wrong. Like he wants to give me the the answer. Like oh, right yeah, then yeah. he wants oh, to give me the answer. Yeah, we're fixers. That's it. what we do.
0: We love yeah, to fix them.
1: Well, exactly. But I think that that is a, a mental kind of a thing with guys. So to recognize that, as you said, you take these small steps and and you don't expect anything more than i'm going to do this one thing today mm-hmm. and allow this to build but now how is that received by by guys who want everything fixed yesterday
0: the proof's in the pudding right like if they if they show up and they do it they start to realize that it, it- For me the most success i had with with my gym routine this year was when i decided this is not about weight loss this is not about feeling better this is even about my mental health this is about doing it this is about literally walking in the door and just doing it every day and if i do it every day and and not even every day if i do it today it's a win right like that's all i have to do i just have to go to the gym today it's not about anything else it was just about making it a part of my routine and so to your point I, i think that you know guys would like like to focus on the goal what's the thing i'm going to accomplish and that's where we get stuck because we spend so much time trying to get to that goal and we are miserable and unhappy until we get to it <laughs> so i usually recommend pick a goal that you will never reach in your lifetime just hmm. aim for some north star you will never in your life achieve that goal but start putting into into place the systems and the and the actions that you need to get closer to it and focus on those If you focus on the rungs of the ladder, eventually you'll find you're pretty damn high on the ladder. Maybe you didn't get all the way, but when you look back down and see how far you've come, it's because of each rung on that ladder and the thing that you focused on that was right in front of you. But if you just spend your whole time looking up to the top of it, you never take stock of how far you've come, the actions you've taken to get there, and what it's taking to get you closer every day. So if you can if you can let go of the goal and just use it as sort of the north star of that's the direction I'm going. But let's focus on the, where I'm going to put my my foot right now to get closer. Each little step is a win, and it feels like a victory, and those compound and get bigger and bigger. And so eventually, you can look back and just go, "Man, I can't believe how far I've come, just by focusing on the thing that was right in front of me."
2: You know, I would love. I want all of our listeners to go back. And listen, after after this entire episode, go back and listen and do like a little tally mark for every action word that Jeremy used. You're, yeah, I, I and I'm thinking about this because I was listening, I think it was Lewis Howells the other day, was talking about um, you know, you're talking about the North Star. A lot of us get stuck in the vision board. If you put it on a board on the wall, it's gonna happen. No, it's not. There has to be action. And he actually said this: that you're you're so saying the same thing. He said, in attraction, because you're talking about the law of attraction and going after. In attraction is the word action. Mm-hmm. You have to take the and you're naming, you know, systems, strategies, this, this, all those action words are what move you forward to achieve those goals. I love that too, and, and Mary Fran is always reminding all of us here, at brilliant and resilient, that you can't be married to outcomes, and you're saying, don't even worry about it. Yeah, sure, yeah. have it so crazy. and then and then take the action to get there. And then
0: imagine if you actually pull it off, right? Like this thing <laughs> yeah. that impossible. You picked this thing out of the clouds that there was no chance in your lifetime you were ever going to achieve and one day you're sitting I'm I I mean, I'm not kidding when I tell you like I that's sort of my life right now. Like I I moved my family from another country. Like we we left everything behind. During COVID we had this sort of awakening of like we want a different lifestyle. We we're working too hard and not accomplishing the things we want to change. And we literally just went, how do we change it? And we just unplugged from everything. We left everyone we know, everyone we love. We'd left our jobs and just took a blind leap of faith and just had a vision in mind of kind of where we wanted to live and the lifestyle we wanted. I'm not kidding when I tell you I live two doors down from the place that I came up to test drive. We live in British Columbia. Two doors down is the place we came to stay for a month to see if this is kind of an area we wanted to live. I distinctly remember being on the porch of that house, looking at the mountains outside that surround us and saying, I'm going to live here. I live two doors down because I went, what are the actions I need to take to get here? And I'm kind of in this weird place in my life where I'm like, I don't know what my new North Star is because I'm I'm living it. Like I, I pulled it off. This is insane. <sighs> and I like I landed this dream job I've been building towards for 20 years and sort of didn't even know it. Like a lot of it's luck, a lot of it's timing, whatever. But most of it is I decided to take action to make big changes and I accomplished everything I set out to do. And so now I'm kind of at this point where I'm like, what do I put on the vision board now? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I got a half a life to live, left to live. What am I going to do next? So, so it's possible. It's absolutely yeah. possible. But had I, had I been so focused on this and not the things that I needed to do to get here, I probably would still be back where I was, you know, trying to figure out how to get out of my job, trying to figure out how to leave. How am I going to make this work? Instead, I just went, what can I do? Not like, not what's in my way. What do I need to get over? What do I need to get past? What can I do to get there? And wow, the doors. That,
2: this open. is blowing my mind, Jeremy. I see. I see Mary <laughs> Fran lighting up too, because we say, we say in all of our Brilliantly Resilient programs, and all the big question is, what can I do in terms of when life hits you with something hard? But you're saying, what can I do, moving myself forward to achieve the North Star that I want?
0: Yeah. So much of it is, is training, right? Like I, this is, I mean, again, I'm, I'm not the first guy to, to sit in a cold river to deal with his mental health, but like, I love cold plunging because it's training my body to deal with adrenaline. It's, it's placing myself intentionally in a position of stress to learn to calm down and manage whatever is coming at me, but I'm willfully putting myself there. I'm not waiting for life to throw something at me and go, oh, I better hold on the This is going to be tough. I'm trying to train. And that's, you know, again, like the gym, whatever physical movement is all training for when I'm 80, I don't want to be struggling. I, I want to be able to move my body and keep up with my grandkids. Like I want to, I want to do those things. So what can I do now? So that then I'm not going, oh man, I wish I would have wish I would have gone for a walk every once in a while 40 years ago. So so much of it is what can I do now to prepare for who I want to become, for the life I want to live and and so i do i i willfully like i i go lay down in the snow for five minutes i sit in the frozen river for five minutes just trying to to adapt to that i look for ways to challenge myself when times are good so that when times are tough i'm a little bit more prepared and a little bit more resilient to get through them
1: you know i'm I'm just everything you're saying is just setting off little fireworks in my head because so I have this program called the 15 Minute Master, which we've incorporated into Brilliantly Resilient, and the first it, it has three questions, and the very first one is that, as Kristen said, what can I do? Because we tend to focus so much on the things that we don't like, the things that are wrong, and the if onlys and the maybe ifs and all that other stuff, that it's that it's those little can steps in between. And as you were talking, it reminded me literally took me back in time. My son struggled for years with addiction issues. He was a heroin addict and, and Mm -hmm. drugs and alcohol and all that stuff. When he finally got to the other side of that, what he did, and I'll never forget this. The first thing that he did was to go out and buy himself some personal care products, like, you know, Q-tips, deodorant, shampoo, that was it. Yeah. But that was that one first step that he could do in that moment to bring himself back to a healthy state of yeah. taking care of himself. And so I guess the point is there's really no step too small that you can take to get yourself started on that. It does like when you, when you just said about laying in a cold river, I'm like, oh my God, I hate cold. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> so odds are, I'm not going to be doing that, but I can do something else.
0: Yeah. No matter yeah. how small. Yeah. Find what works for you. And for me, a lot of this started with, uh, you know, I, I, my, my journey began when I hurt my knee and my physical therapist, you know, she sort of knew my history. I explained what happened. And she was like, you know, if you don't start riding a bike, you're probably going to end up replacing your knees. And I thought, well, that's insane. I haven't ridden a bike since I was like six. There's no way I'm doing that. And I went and whined to my brother. I'm like, how do I do this? She wants me to ride a bike. And he was like, well, dummy, just start, just be the weird guy that rides his bike to work. Like, why not? What's the problem with that? And whatever, for whatever reason, when he said that it hit me just right. And I was like, I'm the weird guy for lots of reasons. Why not that one too? <laughs> and so I bought a bike in a week later. Embrace started, the weird. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like that's the more uncomfortable, the the more you're going to grow is, is a, a lot of the the lesson there. But I started bike commuting nine miles to work every day. And, and then I, I fell in love with the process of just being present and being so in the now, because if you're biking through city streets, if you're not present, it's going to end badly. <laughs> and eventually I asked my wife, I was like, how do I bring more of that like presence into my life? And she didn't know. So she said, go find a therapist. And so I did. And he taught me about meditation and Dharma and all these things. And, you know, and eventually I did, I crashed my bike and it wasn't good. So I was on these pain pills and they were really, really good. So <laughs> I got off of them really quickly. But then it also opened my eyes to like, what else am I doing that I could shed? Like, what am I hanging on to that I can let go of? And some of it was like, I stopped taking antidepressants because I just was curious how I would feel without them. And then that opened me up to, well, what if I did stop drinking? I mean, I'll just try for a month. And now it's been like five years since I've had alcohol. Like, it's all just these like little things where you just kind of get curious. What would happen if, what if, what if I, what if I let go of that? What if I just shed that from my life? Uh, Or, or what if I try that? But, but the whole idea is like, what if it did work, right? Like, what if, what if it's going to be okay instead of what could go wrong, right? Instead of what's the problem here? Because if you sit around waiting for perfection, the opportunity is going to pass. And, and you're going to miss it. And you're going to wonder, why didn't I take action? So I just, I'm just such an advocate for just take messy action. Do something, just whatever the step, buy the Q-tips, buy the deodorant, whatever the thing is that you can do today, do that. It's better than doing nothing and waiting for perfection or motivation.
2: I just love that you say baby steps. And and like, as we're coming up on, on the new year, pick one thing mm-hmm. and keep doing that until you don't have to think about it. Like one thing and you're right we always tend to have like i'm gonna change my entire existence and then by wednesday i'm like oh screw that
0: yeah yeah i think the average (laughs) resolution lasts about two weeks and then everybody bails because they're like well that's all too hard you know a couple of weekends have come and gone i went to a party i saw somebody we had to have some you know we had to have some some beers or whatever like Whatever, whatever the thing you didn't have a strong enough why your why was, well, it's January 1st and I need to do something. And so this is what I'm going to do to be better instead of like, because I want to show up better for my kids, because I want to be able to move better when I'm 80, because I'm tired of feeling this way, because I want more abundance and joy in my life, whatever the thing is like, you've got to focus on, on a bigger why than, you know, a number on a scale or some arbitrary nonsense that means nothing, because if it means nothing, you're not going to stick to it.
1: So, is there a point where, based on what you just said, if somebody kind of drops the ball, you you still have to be good to yourself and go, "Hey, you know what? It's okay," and just get back on the horse. Like you don't, if you fail at even that little step, Mm -hmm. what mindset do you get yourself in to get back at it? Like, aside from beating yourself up, yeah.
0: What can I learn from this? How can I do better next time? Like i actually i just went to a workshop over the weekend it's funny you bring this up uh and it was all about compassion i've been wrestling with just uh it's weird i'm just to get a little weird for you guys for a minute i the two main mentors in my life aside from my therapist that i've had uh both died uh and and were taken from me and so i've been sort of lost without them uh dad issues that I, i won't bother you with so i've always sort of felt kind of on my own to figure things out and so the weird thing is that the people, the, the mentors that had died, they keep just kind of coming up, like just their names, something, some memory of them just constantly coming up. And I couldn't put my finger on why. And I was at this workshop where it's all about moving the energy, moving the stored trauma, get like getting that stuff out. And there's, they, they create space for like whatever, whatever impulse you have, just like share it, say it out loud, whatever it was. And so I, I brought this up. And it was triggered because on the way to it, every singer on the radio, every single song was being sung by somebody who was dead. And I was like, whoa, Whoa. what? what is going on with this? This is so weird. And all of a sudden it was like Tetris, like all these blocks fit into place where it was just like, you're not showing up for your kids the way you want to. You're not being the dad for them that they need. And you're not being the dad for them that you needed when you were a kid. And the way that that hit me and and the anger and the, I just started beating myself up. And part of this this workshop is like, you you're not allowed to beat yourself up. You're just continuing the cycle of everyone that did that to you before. Mm-hmm. You need to show yourself compassion. You need to understand that you don't know better and you're still figuring it out. And, and it's okay. What can you learn from this? And so I came home and you know, it was a rough weekend, had had this whole thing, but like I shared with my kids like that I've failed them, that I'm not doing my job, that I'm not showing up for them the way that they need and the way that I want to and it just all of a sudden it was just like these clouds lifted it was like the voices from from these mentors even you know beyond the grave were saying you need to be for them what we were for you hmm. show up better for them and so you know i still like the, it's hard but i'm trying to hang on to the compassion part of that and just go you don't like nobody taught you better nobody showed you how to be the dad that, that you needed and that you want and so i'm trying to bring compassion and forgiveness for myself because that that place of self-love is a much more powerful place to, to teach from and to live from than one of just continuing to beat myself up because that's what I'm teaching them. Mm. Dad beats himself up for everything he does wrong. So that's what we should do too. I'm learning so much about the inner voice, the thoughts in my head by watching my parents now and hearing how much I hear that voice coming from them audibly and realizing as a kid, I internalized the stuff they were saying about themselves. And so I'm trying to now change that narrative for them so that they don't have to beat themselves up and and feel horrible for every failure. I I told, I literally told them, I expect you to fail because if you're not failing, you're not trying anything hard enough or or anything new enough, like mess up, make huge mistakes. Like it's okay because I'll help you get through it and we'll figure out what the lesson is on the other side. So that's, that's how I try and approach it is just forgiveness and compassion and just understand that failure means you're trying something hard and, and you're learning from it.
1: Fantastic. I, think, I think that we need every single, I was going to say man, but every human on the planet to listen to your messages oh, because that. they are incredibly powerful. And that whole piece, that piece about that compassion is just so important. And everything that you said to us today about you know, these, this piecemeal and the self-motivation, it all just fits so perfectly with Brilliantly Resilient. And we could let this conversation go on and on and on and on. And I would be Mm -hmm. thrilled, but I want to ask you where people can find you, where they can get the Fit Mess podcast. And if there's anything you want to leave us with.
0: Sure. Uh, so the website is thefitmess.com. So just make sure you don't spell fitness, like (laughs) fitness with an M. Vitmas.com. And then just, you know, on, on the topic of resilience, there was a an interview we did with a guy named Chris Duffin. He's a world champion, weightlifter, just massive beast of a dude. Been th- he's been through incredible trauma as, as a child and come out the other side. And he just made this great analogy for us where you know he was just talking about trees. And you know, the, the t- tallest, strongest trees are that way because they face the strongest winds and hmm. it made them tougher and it made them stronger. And so when times are tough, just realize that that is you know the sharpening of, of the blade, the the strengthening of the trunks, the deepening of the roots, whatever it is, whatever analogy resonates for you, like be okay with that, right? Like the like the my favorite author is Ryan Holiday, the title of his book "The Obstacle Is the Way" completely just is is a north star for me. Which is like when when times are tough, that's when I'm learning, that's when I'm growing, and that's when I, what I should lean into. So. Uh, in regards to to Christophan, though, that episode is number 98 in our in our catalog. So thefitmess.com slash ninety-eight. He tells just an incredible story of the challenges he went through as a child and, and how he got stronger from them. Uh and yeah, I would start there, I guess, in terms of learning more about resilience. I, I think that's a great place to start.
1: Awesome. Well, Jeremy, we were so excited to have you today. And Zach, I'm sorry you weren't
2: here. You missed a great show. <laughs> yeah, you
0: missed the good stuff.
2: <laughs> <Me> stuck <laughs> on a plane. It's like a country song. I was stuck on a plane. <laughs> Well, this has been
1: I'm going to turn it over to my buddy, Kristen, because she always says the stuff that I forget.
2: This has been absolutely incredible. And I will say uh, that word compassion um, is is quite a secret ingredient in Mm -hmm. in being resilient. I want to also say thank you for taking the time to to explore yourself as as breaking cycles as a dad, because we need more of that as parents breaking cycles. And I've watched my kids. Um, they are breaking a cycle from an unhealthy parent and it's rooted in compassion, which I did not realize until you were talking and I've been fighting against that and I need to embrace it at this point. So thank you for that. That was, um, That was a pivotal moment on my journey here. So thanks for that. Thanks for all that you you gave to our Brilliantly Resilient tribe today. And and for those of you that want more of this and more of Jeremy, make sure you go to brilliantlyresilient.net and sign up for the Brilliance Bit because this episode will be featured. We come right to your inbox once a week and keep you thinking and living brilliantly resilient. So get that at brilliantlyresilient.net And we'll see you next time.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the brilliantly resilient podcast. Join our Facebook group and follow us on YouTube to be inspired with tools to reset, rise
1: and reveal your brilliance.